so we're in a series at the moment, Beauty in the Process. Um, last week, if you weren't here, we talked about the beginning stages. And I love this, this phrase here, uh, this quote from a friend who posted online. Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bushfire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. And I think a lot of us can miss the burning fire moments. We can miss the day-to-day wonders that God does so intrinsically and beautifully in our words. We can celebrate these amazing moments that God just pours his lavish goodness upon us. But what God really spoke to me in, as we finish up this season of this year is how can we see the beauty in the process when there's suffering, when there's pain, when there's things that don't go the way that we want them to go, how do we yet still see the beauty that happens? And last week we spoke about the day-to-day. That transformation is not some radical download moment, though those happen. And we see amazing miracles happen where God transforms a life that was so far from God, struck with addiction, struck with relational problems, brokenness, all of that. And in a moment, we see God transform them. Yet, that is far and few between in comparison to the day-to-day, slow, minute, intricate transformation that God brings into each and every one of our lives. Amen? Like, it would be nice if God just quickly said, done, you're finished, you're done, you're Jesus-like. It would be so wonderful, but yet the journey is the beauty that we all journey together in. And so, would you turn with me in Psalm 42? Words will also be on your screen, but pull out your phones, pull out your Bibles. I'd love for you to bring your Bibles along with you uh, to read along with the Scripture. And so, let's read together Psalm 42 says this, as a deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how would I go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. This psalmist is reminiscing about the joys that he had. While are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. And I, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon, from the Mount Mizar. Deep calls out to deep as the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Day by day, Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you 
for the opportunity to gather and just be around your word. Lord, much celebration has had in this moment. Yet on the same side, there is pain, there is suffering. There are moments in our lives that we must share both celebration and suffering in the same space. And Lord God, we want to understand what you are saying to us in the silence. We want to understand what does it all mean when we don't understand, when we have questions that aren't answered, when we see the world in chaos, yet you're so silent. God, what is that about? Would you nurture our hearts right now? I just pray for my my own heart, Lord, as I just give your word this morning. Would you help guide my words? Lord, anoint what you have to say this morning. And may our hearts be ready to receive what you have to say. May there be truth that roots into the soil of our hearts this morning, God. Lord, I know that I cannot do this alone, but only you can, Holy Spirit. And so we just thank you that you are a guide, you are our helper this morning. Guide us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Today, we've sat in the presence of God, and as we've said, there is this joy. Maybe for you, while you were singing, there is a joy in your heart. There are things that are going so well, and you are just joyful. All hail King Jesus, His goodness, His faithfulness. He is good. There are some of you here that are are weeping. There are pains as you sing that line that there is question marks in your heart because life is not going good. There is all sorts of question marks around your finances, around your health, around relationships. And it's pulling on your heart. And so every word is a fragrance to God. But for some of you, there's a third group who doesn't feel anything. You sing the words and there just feels emptiness in your heart. You, you feel nor joy, nor sadness. You just feel empty. When silence falls is the message for today. And have you ever felt those seasons in life where God, you know, you are going through some things and you cry out to God and you hear nothing. You request to feel his presence again, yet you feel nothing. It feels like there is a blank screen you're staring at. It's like the TV's not on and you're trying to push the button and nothing is working. You feel a shell of who you are, your emotions wandering, and you just yearn for God to touch you. You just yearn for God to touch you. Again, it feels more like absence than presence. And you're not alone in this. Can I tell you today you are not alone? Because the irony that we as charismatics, because we believe that God speaks, we believe that God is present and he moves, yet the irony is we don't talk enough about God's silence. We don't talk enough about God not connecting with us. And the problem is, is because the shame that we have, that if you're not hearing from God, you're not connected, you're not doing well as a Christian. And so, but I would argue that in the beauty of the process, the silence is vital to the beauty that we experience. That actually, God is inviting us into a deeper relationship with him, which we must go through. We must go through. And so there are reasons why we don't hear God. A couple of them off the front. We don't hear them because we're just in such a hurry. Life is just so busy. I I talk to so many people 
I'm experiencing life with work, with family, with soccer. Like after this, I jet off to go coach a U10 team, then come back and there's some other things. And it feels like you're just constantly moving. For many of you, you have these strains and stresses on your life and it just feels hard to hear God because of the noise. For others, um, there is, if we're honest, there's sin in our lives. There is sin which actually hardens our heart. And sin is a, not just a moral, you're doing bad things, but it's a self-defiance that God, you want me to do things your way, but actually I want to do things my way. And so sin is that alteration of like saying, I want to be God. And we can't hear God when we're not moving in those kind of directions. And thankfully, through his mercy, he brings about redemption. He brings about voices into our, into our lives that help transform us. And so we can't hear God sometimes because of sin. And that's a real thing. Demonic power. There are spiritual principalities, as we talked about in Ephesians, that are gunning for you. They want to stop you from hearing God. They want you to feel dry and broken. And there is a spiritual warfare that we must contend for. Amen? There is that in our soul. But there's another reason why we don't hear God. And that's for spiritual maturity. And it's the beautiful process. Mother Teresa in Oslo, December 11th of 1979, received the Nobel Peace Prize. And uh, she said these words as she received the prize. Christ in our hearts, Christ in the poor we meet, Christ in the smile we give, and in the smile that we receive. As she gave this amazing speech of the joy of Jesus, and that it should surround us, reminding people that Christmas is not about the substance of, of presents and things like that, but it's about the welcoming of Jesus that receives all this love and joy. But interestingly, three months before she gave that speech, she wrote to her spiritual director, Michael van der Peet, and said this, Jesus has a special place and love for you, Michael. But I, as for me, the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and do not see, I listen and I do not hear. For 10 years after she died... Uh, the Catholic Church released letters of her devotional life, and it's called Come Be My Light. It reveals nearly half a century Mother Teresa went in and out of the dark night of the soul where she would not hear God, and she felt this pain as she ministered to the poor, to the broken. She wept in her heart because she could not hear God, and she wanted the letters destroyed because she was so upset of how this difference occurred in her life, that she knew that God was good, but yet didn't hear it. And this is just a quote from her here. It says this, Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me? The child of your love, and now become as one of the most hated ones. The one who have thrown away as unwanted, unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return to me like sharp knives and my hurt, my very soul. Love, the word, it brings nothing. And I am told God lives in me and the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great, nothing touches my soul. This is the words of Mother Teresa who would argue, and we all laugh and joke, that she is the most holy person because of her actions and love. 
And if we see someone who gave their lives, who looked so much like Jesus, yet suffered with the quietness and the silence of God, we have questions of our own. How can you, God, be so good, yet be so silent? No wonder you don't have friends, God, because friends aren't silent. We have these questions that run through our minds because it feels like in the deepest, darkest moments where we need him most, he is silent most. The psalmist, as we read in Psalm 42, he starts with the lines, as a deer pants for the flowing stream, so my soul pants for you, O God. A 1970s song kind of coined that phrase, as the deer pants, so my soul pants for you, O God. And we've changed the phrasing of that to mean, God, I just really want to know you. But the essence of the message is really this deer that is in the desert is dying for thirst and it doesn't find anything. This is the reality of the psalmist that feels in his heart. And he goes on in verse 4. These things I remember. I remember pulling out my soul. I remember pouring out my soul to you. I would go with the throng. I would lead the procession. I would sing the songs of your goodness. I remember those times. Yet they feel like a distant memory, a shadow of what I feel like now. He goes on in verse 6. He talks about Mount Hermon and Mount Mizar, these locations that are the furthest north in Israel, and the furthest away. And what he's saying is, I'm a, a, a follower of you, God. I'm an Israelite. I'm a Jew, but I feel so far removed. As far as north can go, that's who I am, and that's how far I feel from you. And so twice he says, have you forgotten me? What is going on, God? What do you want? Have you ever felt that in your spiritual walk? Have you ever felt those questions come in? And if you haven't, I've got news for you. You will experience this experience. But it is for good. Because this phrase dropped into my heart this week um, as the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, we, you learn a lot by God speaking but you grow in his silence. You learn a lot in the speaking, in the teaching, but you grow in his silence. C.S. Lewis um, had this quote here. If you'll go to the next slide, there we go. C.S. Lewis had experienced his own loss and his pain and his struggles. And in uh, the Screw Tape Letters, an amazing, one of my favorite books, please read it. Real short reads, like a page and a half each chapter. It's a fictional writing that he positions himself as a screw tape. And he's speaking to Wormwood, his understudy, on how to destroy the enemy, which is the Christians. We are the enemy. God is the enemy. And there are so many amazing truths. This is one of my favorite quotes in the book. And this is Screwtape speaking to his understudy, Wormwood. Sooner or later, he being God withdraws, if not in fact, at least from their conscious experience. All those supports and incentives, he leaves the creature to stand on its own legs, to carry out the will alone, duties which have lost all relish. It's during such trough periods, much more than during the peak periods, that he is growing into the sort of creature God wants it to be. Hence, the prayers offered in the state of dryness are those which please him best. He cannot tempt to virtue as we do vice. That is powerful. The enemy speaking there. We, we like to tempt the Christian into the vice. 
God doesn't tempt. He wants them to learn to walk and must therefore take away his hand. And if only the will to walk is really there, he is pleased with their stumbles. Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished and asks, why has he been forsaken and still obeys? That's on my office. That's in my desk. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm losing the will, when I feel like, God, what do you do? I just read that line, and he still obeys. It's a beautiful truth. God's silence is a season that we intentionally, he intentionally takes away the felt present. Hear my wording here. He takes away the felt sense of his presence. He never leaves nor forsakes. When Jesus was upon the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? God did not remove himself. Though that's what sin does to us. It separates us from him. God is not... uh, to, you know, he is not able to not be around sin. A lot of times theology says, well, God can't be around me because I'm sinful. There is nowhere in Scripture to back that up. We are disconnected from him. And that's what the truth is there. But God removes the felt sense of presence in order to refine, repair, prepare us for greater levels of intimacy and freedom. Because the issue is we have ordered desires And remember this quote from a couple of weeks ago? We might not love what we think. Remember the story that I told? This man who was reading a health book, underlining, loving every single section, closes the book, looks up, and he has a hot dog in hand in Costco, ready to keep on going. We have ordered loves. We might want things in life, but we have orders. We can still hold the hot dog and still want the truth. God wants to refine your heart, and he is reworking your desires from attachment of things and things that you need and want. You have idols in your life. You might not bow down to them like you think. You may have structures and things, but you don't realize how much they're pulling on your soul, and God wants you to walk on your two feet. Matthew talks about this in Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Money is the root of all evil. It is not evil in itself, but it leads us to the wants and desires of our heart. And I love the next line that Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Because we have a struggle in our lives. Anxiety goes up the more things we have, the more idols that we have in our life. Anxieties and fears take hold of us. And God is like, I love you too much to keep you the same. I am the only thing that can sustain you in life, and I need to step away to draw you closer to me. I love that. See, we love the feeling of God. We love to worship the benefits of God rather than God who brings the benefits. It's like a marriage. 
or when a relationship. We have the honeymoon stage. We love the bubbly feelings. I remember when I saw Rachel, the bubbly feelings that you had over and over again, still to see her sitting on front row right there. It's beautiful, but it doesn't sustain you. Anyone who's married in this room knows that. You cannot be based on feelings alone. That's why the marriages in this culture, present time, have been failing so much lately because we're so feelings-based. Marriage has been dissolved down to do what makes you feel happy. They don't make me feel happy anymore, so I'm going to get my kick elsewhere. They don't do it for me anymore, so I'm going to leave them. And this is the same in our Christian walk. We need stripping of feelings of God to trust in God himself. God is desiring that you stand and walk. God wants to see you into the identity that he's called you to be, which you are a world changer, church. Each and every one of you has a destiny, a purpose, and a plan. And he wants you to be the transformation for your world but you've got some disordered desires. I have disordered desires. And he wants to transform me into his likeness. And so for the remainder of time, we're just going to jump into a story of Matthew 15, the Canaanite woman. We're just going to do a little verse by verse section here. And so it reads this, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Just context. Jesus is entering into Gentile land for the first time. And so there is this new kind of sense presence. But this woman who is Canaanite, anyone who knows Old Testament, have been at war with the Jewish people over and over again. They have killed, annihilated these tribes. Canaanites have come back, annihilated, killed. They are at odds with one another. And so there is tension in this story. Matthew has put this story in place for a reason. This Canaanite woman has come, but she's not come to fight. She's come with a cry. Have mercy on me, O son, O Lord, son of David. Notice that phrase right there. She sees him as Lord. That's mind-blowing. I wish I could interview her. I wish I could know who she was. A woman that was at war, who had a culture fervently against the Jewish people, yet saw him as Lord, and his own people would not see him as Lord. Something to say about familiarity that happens in our lives, that the familiar things get diminished. But she goes on to say, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And this is Jesus. But Jesus did not say a word. It's the one time that we see in Scripture that Jesus does not reply to a cry. There's visible. Now, we've seen Son of David, help me. We've seen the cries and the voices get lost in the crowd. But we've never seen before Jesus acknowledge a word and not reply. Have you heard those cries? You've cried out to Jesus for a healing. Can you imagine? Just put yourself in the woman's shoes. She's crying out not for herself, but for her daughter. For you parents in the room, there is nothing more. You will sacrifice everything for your children. And so you can imagine the pain that she feels, the oppression, the years of torment that she has, whatever healing that she needs, physical problem, mental illness that she has, is oppressing her day and night. The cries at night are getting so overwhelming for her. She cannot go on another step anymore. She is overwhelmed. 
It's her last resort. It feels like she's at the end of herself. She's probably tried all sorts of physicians, all sorts of spiritual healings to try and eradicate this, and nothing has worked. Have you gone over and over and over again, and nothing has worked? And so she's come with her last depth cry, Jesus, Lord, come heal my child, and no reply. This should do something to your heart this morning. This should cause some knots in your stomach that says, why? Why, God, would you make this so difficult? They go on here. And his disciples came and begged Jesus, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Jesus, she's really annoying. She's an inconvenience to us. You see this Canaanite woman. You know the stories. You're not here for them. You're here for the chosen people. We're going to rule and reign. We're going to take it to the next level. Jesus, just get her out of here. Have you ever felt that? The crowds, the things going on inside of you. It's not just a silence, but it's a stance of go away. You're an inconvenience. You've got things that are just annoying. Have you ever felt that in your soul? We carry on reading here. And he answered, finally, Jesus did. And you would think, yes, Jesus is about to save the day. Answer. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Wow, what a response. A third response. You come back to Jesus. You're crying out. You're crying out. And now he's saying, you don't matter. There are other priorities. Have you ever felt that? Everyone else's miracles are being answered. Everyone else's prayer requests are being answered. Why am I being left behind, God? Why am I in the shadows? Have you ever felt that before? And so we read on. It's not just that right now. She came and she knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. How many of you would have given up in that moment? You've been rejected. Jesus isn't speaking to you. You've been given verbal kind of like abuse from other people even around you. The response from God is it almost seems like you're not anything of importance. So many Christians walk away in these seasons. God can't be real. God can't be good. None of this matters. I'm getting out of here. And Jesus seems to let those people just walk God isn't into the crowds. He isn't into the mass gatherings of things. He's into your heart being aligned. Because God wants to move the feelings and emotions of God. And he wants to root you in something deeper. I love that she clings to him. How many of you would cling to Jesus in this moment? After you've been silent, been rejected, been told almost you don't matter. How many of you would grab Jesus' cloak? How many of you would be like, nah, I don't want to shame myself. I've got too much pride. Do you know who I am, God? Do you know what I come from? All the lineage and all the good things I've done. God, you should be answering my request first. But instead, so many move away because of the pride in their lives and they don't want to kneel before Jesus and grab hold of the one thing. Got too much pride that goes on. And this woman's response is the best, right? She is, if I could have any comeback lines, like if I could be in that moment, like mic drop, this is it. She says this, and he answered, is it not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? Another insult from Jesus. 
You're calling her a dog. And however well you try and translate the word dog into the Greek, meaning a house dog. So some of the, the theologians are like, well, she's a house dog. That's better than a, a, an outside dog, right? You know, he's leading her in. It's like, she's still being called a dog. Like, that's not okay. Like, if I spoke to one of my family, hey, dog, like, you're not allowed to be part of this table. Like, that wouldn't go over well. This is Jesus creating all sorts of stumbling blocks for this woman. He's testing her. He's seeing in our heart what matters in your heart more. And this line that she comes back to, and she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Wow. Let that sink in just for a moment. She's acknowledged that she is a dog. She's not taken offense. She's received the the critique or whatever it is in that moment, and she's twisted it. But I know that you're good. You can offend me all you want. And again, I want to know this story of this woman. I want to know her heart because she knows something that I need to know. She didn't, wasn't a follower of Jesus. She wasn't around him for years on end. And they still didn't see him quite as Lord, even though they saw the miracles. But this woman had the faith to know that he is good, that God is good amongst the storms. See, the silence draws us to surrender. Jesus points out her faith and says, you, O woman of faith. Sorry, let's go back just one slide there. You, O woman, great is your faith. Be done to it for you as you desire. And the daughter was healed instantly. Like That is your faith is the journey and the testing that God wants to bring about. So your silence draws you to surrender. God's silence brings you to surrender. Jesus points out the belief, the faith in her, and says, this is what I am most pleased with. Faith is holding on when you're drowning. It's to beg even when he is silent. It's to lean in and act when he is good. It's to trust that he is good. It's to trust that when all things are at stake, we still lock in and say, God, I need you. Because the silence draws us to surrender. We're reminded that we are clay. We're not in control. You're not in control today. Can I give you that revelation today? As much as you feel like you are in control of your life, you are not in control. And a lot of us as Christians, when we hit the hard times, when, when things come into our lives, we try to do all the more to control my life. How many times as a Christian that I have tried, when these seasons happen, I read my Bible more. I try and find the, the, the secrets, the truths. I try and do all the more because I think I can control my spiritual walk. If I just do, 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 God will hear me and he will be with me. The silence strips you of your control. We can do all the right things and nothing changes because you cannot manipulate God. You can't manipulate His grace. You cannot manipulate His love for you. You cannot do anything to earn His goodness. There is nothing that can be done. His goodness alone And so the problem and the challenge which confronts us and our spiritual walk is ultimately not to do, but to surrender. This is an incredibly hard challenge for us. Will you cease doing and start surrendering? 
Will you stop trying to find or do the latest things that will try and twist his ear to you? And will you surrender to his will and desire? See, I love the woman. She let go of my way. She had had enough. She had let go of everything. She was willing to surrender to this point that would cause shame, that would cause all sorts of like separation from Jesus. And she held on to him fervently. Church, if you can get this one thing today, this question that even I felt in worship, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to this morning? You've got desires in your hearts that seem really good. Work, purpose, vision, family, children, marriage, money, all these things that help and do good things. Yet God is saying, I want the one thing for your life. And the silence I am bringing in to this moment is so that you can stand on your own two feet. Because this nation has anxieties and fears. Can I tell you, and just to just riff off this message for a moment, God is silent to America right now. Last year, how many prophecies did not happen? Now, again, I know some viewpoints in here. You know, it was a cheat scam. I get that. The, The elections and things like that but it still happened. There were prophecies that said that Trump would win by a landslide and it didn't happen. There are voices that are not hearing at the moment. And God is pulling back to see if we will stand on our own two feet. So stop putting words in God's mouth. For my own life, I so want control. I so want to say, this is what's happening. And I'm not God's. And I just want to repent as well because I'm like, man, so many times I have predicted or tried to think what God is doing and he is causing a silence at the moment because he wants to see what is in our hearts. He wants to see and how many fears and anxieties are coming forth from all of us right now because God is wanting to whittle out. And this is maybe a hard thing for you to hear this morning and Again, believe me, I want to be in a relationship, I want to talk about it, whatever that is. But I really do feel that God is silent right now because he wants to see what's inside each and every one of us. God's got it in control. He is going to bring about the kingdom of God on this earth. He is going to redeem it through all the nations in this world. He is going to have his way, amen? That's the end answer. It doesn't matter how it happens, it's happening. But so many have just tried to predict, tried to make it. And I love that some of the prophets last year repented. Chris Valentin being one of them. He said, look, I prophesied that this was going to be this way and it didn't happen. I'm sorry. And probably the only person that we know that kind of got Ed Trout, he prophesied that Trump would only be a one-term person. He said, one term, that's what he's going to do. And it was like, yeah, but no, 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 it's not going to happen, right? And so it's like, but this is what's happened right before us. And however makes that makes you feel right now, like, this is what God is into. He's into making you stand alone for him, to bring his glory through you. And so the beauty of the process is to surrender. It's passive transformation. And just while we quickly move here to wrap up, these are some of the final words of Mother Teresa. So she's been in and out of this silence and this darkness. And she says these words. It is only when you realize your nothingness, your emptiness, that God can fill you with himself. Souls of prayer are souls of great silence. I love this. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. The fruit of service 
is peace. All of this comes from silence. Ultimately, God is making you into a loving vessel that loves your enemy, that loves those around you. God wants to pull you away from your desires, your wants, and he wants to make you into a loving vessel that transforms your world. And it starts by silence. This is one of the the great mothers of this world who was so selfless, yet suffered so much in silence for this very purpose, so that she could be a representation of what love looks like. And the silence you're experiencing is God calling you to maturity. The silence that you're experiencing, can I tell you, is a good thing, because he's a good, loving father, amen? He loves you deeply. Like so, so much, his heart breaks for you. And he breaks that he sees you in pain and suffering, but he knows what's going to be brought forth out of it. These words are hard to hear, but he is a good father. And many seasons in my own life that I have walked through, silence. It felt like years of just not feeling or hearing his presence, but God brought me closer to him. I still hung on and became obedient to him. Though I didn't hear him, though I didn't feel him, I knew that he was good. And it felt like that moment where I just held on to him, saying, God, I know one day I'm going to see your goodness again in my life. One day I know that things are going to change. And even though I fell away and in the sense of just like going through the motions and whatever, it felt like that, though the prayers in my brokenness Though the prayers in my pain, they just felt so much more real. And God is so wanting to hold that in your lives. I love this from Augustine. He says this, Our loves are restless until they rest in you, God. Our loves are restless until they rest in you, God. And so just to land as we do, with practical ideas on how we can take some next steps today. Practice of surrender. Maybe today you're feeling this, and apparently a stat out there is that 20% of a community will always be feeling this dark night, this silence, this oppression. And so I'm very much aware that it might not be you today, but I want to tell you that it might just happen to you. And so to fill you with hope, because God has it at hand, he is stripping away for a reason, and it is for greatness. It is a good thing. Though it feels like pain in the moment, God is doing an amazing work that on the other side, there will be ridiculous transformation. And so I want to tell you today, if this is you, rest. There's all sorts of tensions to want to do, to try and earn, to try and shift things. And some of you, you don't hear God because, yeah, your life is out of order and it needs, you've got sin in your life, you've got stuff that needs to be transformed. But I'm telling you, for people that have, man, I've got a heart after God and I'm hearing nothing. I'm going through life and I just feel empty. Rest. Keep practicing, keep getting in the word, keep praying. But I want you not to try harder. I want you to be more. I want you to be in his presence. Rest. Wait patiently. That is the most horrible and hard word I've ever heard. 
patience. I tell it to my children all the time, and every time I tell it, I'm just preaching it myself. Patience, patience. Hate that word. Absolutely hate it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I get it. And it's like God at work inside of me, and I'm just like, why, God? Can't you just give it to me? And I know that blessings can kill us. I know that he wants the character to hold the blessing well, and I get it. And I'm like, okay, God, to you. Wait patiently. Trust in Jesus. Remember, God's trying to remove the feelings and emotions. The, the, when we become Christians, baby Christians, we feel God a lot, and we feel and we feel. But don't you love those marriages, and I've talked about it before, those marriages that just are. The old couple that doesn't need to perform just is with one another. They've got this deeper trust. They've been through trial after trial. Their marriage has been after pain after pain, yet they just sit together in that moment. And they know to trust God, not in the emotions, not in the feel-good things. Because again, you cannot base. I want to tell you this. Um, We see signs and wonders, miracles happening. And we base that, if a person does a healing or a miracle, we deem that person more spiritual. We deem that, and that's not true. That just means God's grace is in the room. Spiritual maturity is not the same as God's grace. Someone who does healings and miracles does not make them any more spiritual mature. It just shows the ridiculous goodness of grace. And that was a massive answer to me because I had so many... If the one thing that I would walk away from the church from was this, was exactly that. I saw amazing people do amazing things, yet off the stage and behind the scenes, their personality was terrible. Their character was horrible. I'm like, God, why do you do this? Why do you move through these people? They're not good people. It's just going to taint your name. It's God's grace. He so loves people. Doesn't mean they're more spiritually mature. It just means God's grace is so good. And that's what we need to understand. Remember, trust in Jesus. He wants to remove the emotions. He wants you to trust in him alone. Live into community. More on this as we go through this series. How do we live in community in the process? But get yourself in community. Don't shut the doors on things. It's so easy when we're in pain just to self-isolate and get ourselves away from other people. Can I encourage you, reach out to a friend. If you're hurting, if you're in pain, reach out to someone. We deeply care. Again, I love that we're rallying around Luke and Tara right now. I love that this community is getting around people. And this is what we're all about. We want to do life together. And finally, I love this last one. This is from John Mark Comer. Release the illusion of control. Because it really is an illusion. You don't have control. And so today just with every head bowed, just as I pray for you today. Father, I just pray for that this morning, that we would release the illusion of control. God, this is a a tough message. This This is hard to hear. But God, I know that you are wanting to make this a deep community. You're wanting to make this a community that will war through the storms because there are storms that are coming that we need to be prepared for. And you're being silent to help us to stand. You're helping us to understand that we we don't need to bear our eyes upon the things of this world. We are eternal beings. Maybe you don't see things panning out like you want to right now. But that doesn't mean he's still God. 
That doesn't mean that he's not sitting on the throne. And he's wanting to shape in his people something deeper today. Not that sees the problems of this world and freaks out. They see the problems of this world and they know a God that they can hold on to in the storm. That the silence brings us to surrender today. And so maybe for your heart today, you need to surrender. Maybe just some action today. God, I'm tired of trying to make this happen. God, I want to surrender to your process today. God, I want to surrender to your will and your way. Lord, where I've wanted it to happen this way, God, I wanted it to go this way and it didn't go this way. Why are you silent, God? God, I want to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times that I've made it. I'm sorry for trying to be all things all the time. And God, I just need to trust in you. I I pray for rest right now for hearts in this room. I pray for rest. Where people are so tired of fighting. They're so tired of just constantly battling and they feel nothing back. They just hear a silence. God, you're a good father who's wanting to draw out a deeper faith this morning. He's wanting to take you on a journey of life. And so would we receive the invitation this morning of new life? Would we receive that invitation of your goodness this morning? I want to remind your people this morning that you are good. Foremost above everything else, you are good. You are faithful, you are kind, you are just, you are good. And we want to stay in that space this morning, Lord God. Holy Spirit, just breathe across this room right now. Where there is lack, would you reignite? Help us to wait patiently in the silence. Let us not shorten what you're trying to do, because you do give the answer sometimes. Yeah, I'll take it off you, but I'm going to need to do it again later. God, I pray for the strength and resilience of your people this morning. Strengthen your people to go through the process. Strengthen my heart this morning to go through the process that you want to do in our hearts. When it doesn't look like what we want it to look like. Strengthen our hearts this morning for a greater glory that you're trying to do in and through our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.